this life is o'er I'll fly away To a home on God's celestial shore I'll fly away I'll fly away, oh glory I'll fly away When I die, hallelujah, by and by to the show end of the week gotta be happy for that right everybody's gonna be happy at the end of the week got your weekend coming up hope you had a good memorial day we did we didn't do anything didn't go any place didn't cook out or anything like that but it's memorial day kind of have the sadness in your heart when you come to days like that when you think about why you're celebrating it and what it means it's a great country we live in, everybody. I hope you understand that. The reason we celebrate Memorial Day is to honor those who have served this great country of ours, both men and women. All branches of the service doesn't matter. Even the Merchant Marines. I worked with a fellow back years ago, and he was a member, or a member, <laughs> sorry. He was in the Merchant Marines during the Second World War, and he, he spoke to me several times about, you know, they didn't get the same recognition as regular service people did, and they risked their lives as, just as much, you know, ferrying uh, goods and uh, supplies and so forth between the United States and Europe during the war, Second World War. And uh, it was nice to hear, I don't know how much longer later it was on. Okay, hang on, take two. <laughs> 
how much later it was that um, they actually were um, honored with the, uh, they, they received the same uh, benefit or recognition and so forth as regular service people did. So it was a good thing. I was glad to hear it. He was a good man. I enjoyed working with him. We, <laughs> we had some good laughs together and so forth and so on. But anyway, that's that. So welcome to Friday. Welcome to the show. Welcome to my show. It's called Let's Talk. My name is Mike. I am the host. And I got to let the cat in. Come on, wait. We do doing, meow, meow, kitty. What are you doing, meow, meow, kitty? My grace, kitty, kitty. Anyway, sorry about that. <laughs> the cat becomes part of the show, almost like uh, daggone, uh, what do you call it? Michael Savage and his dog. Yeah, you're a good girl. So anyways, hope you had a good week. Had a good week. Had a really good day yesterday. We, uh, I did, as a matter of fact, 1 o'clock, 1.30 in the morning, I had to get up. I had to take my daughter um, by 4 o'clock in the morning, had to have her downtown at the, um, um, the public housing department. And she is a uh, recovering drug addict. She has a son, my grandson, Preston, and... She's been through some rough times, you know, kicking that habit and trying to move forward with her life and everything. And the wife and I did all we could, and including financial support and so forth. But, you know, and I, and I want to express this to everybody, a learning lesson here. So, you know, you always want to do what's right by your kids and help them out and so forth whenever you can, financially or otherwise. But there came a time where... It became apparent to the wife and I that the financial assistance and so forth was not being, I don't know how to explain it, utilized in a, you know, in a good manner. I don't think they were, her and the boyfriend there were doing drugs again or anything. But the point is, we, you know, we realized we were just squandering money and there was no effort on her part to better herself. So, you know, just these different dynamics involved. Well, we cut off the spigot, so to speak. You know, <laughs> the well went dry. And she was neat, you know, she needed to fend for herself. So finally, thank the Lord God, I really mean that. We prayed so hard for her to, to you know, make the move she needs to make. Because where we live out in the middle of a desert, there's nothing out here. And we told her, you know, many, many times, you need to get into town. You need to get, you know, you need to get housing and so forth and so on. And there's so many programs that come with that, like training and so forth and so on. And yesterday she made the move. She went, we got down there and four o'clock in the morning because they actually start lining up at four o'clock in the morning. Can you believe it? But I've, you know, been there, done that. Anyways, you know, um, we got there, we were on time. She was actually number two in line. So she went in, and the next thing I know, she comes out, and she says, that's it, I'm in. And I was so surprised. I says, are you serious? You know, what kind of thing? That quick? She says, well, yeah, because there's circumstances, you know. She was um, where she's living now. They're selling the house, so she needed to, to uh, she needed to move. 
basically is what it was. But she finally, 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 you know, made the proper decisions, did the right thing, made all the right moves, you know, and we're so happy that she's now, I believe, you know, and the wife believes well on her way to a full recovery, you know, she'll eventually get training, she'll eventually be able to get employment, and she'll be able to get out of public housing and get her own house. We're so happy for it. Very, very, very happy for it. And I want to thank all of you that were uh, with with us in our prayers for her. And uh, anyways, that's that. So it is Friday, end of the week. Fish day for all the <laughs> those of you that believe in that sort of thing. Got to eat fish on Fridays. And uh, we'll get started with the show. This episode is called, well, the show's Let's Talk. I think I said that. My email, if you do want to correspond is um let's talk mike one at gmail.com let's talk m-i-k-e the number one at gmail.com and this episode is called hiding in plain sight let's say our prayer father god there's never been a time when you haven't been god you know yahweh jehovah the Almighty, the Eternal. And we know, Father God, that there's never been a time in our lives as believers that you haven't been there. You've seen us through so many different times, so many trials, tribulations. When we were just so wayward and so, you know, like the prodigal son, we were so far away. And yet you stayed and you watched and you waited. And you still talk to us. And you kept calling us back. And I can never thank you enough, Lord God. Never, Lord, is there enough thanks for never, ever, ever giving up on us and patiently waiting for us. And now here we are, Lord. We humble ourselves before you when we ask that you forgive us our sins. Forgive the sins, Lord, who those who who sin against us. And may today be their day of rebirth and new man, new creation in Christ. And I pray this in Jesus' name, Father God. Amen. Amen and amen. Today's first verse is John chapter 10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. See, Satan does that. He wants to steal. He wants to kill and destroy and just make our lives so wicked and, you know, not so good. Case in point, my daughter, you know, and myself at one time in my life until the Lord called me back. What are you doing? <laughs> Get out of there. How gracious and wonderful our Lord is, isn't he? Think about it. Think about your own life, where you've been, what you've done, what you've seen, you know, whatever. It's all kinds of sin. There's sin of the eye, you know, your eyes can sin and your, your mind can sin and your heart, you know. Kind of like some of the shows we've done here. You know, we've talked about quite a bit, haven't we? 
you know, when you think about it, you're able to use your imagination. We, you know, we, we've talked about the creation. We've talked about Adam and Eve in the garden, the mountain of God right there and their fellowship with the Lord before they sinned. And then afterwards, we've talked about Noah and the flood and what was going on in his day and how it relates to what's happening today. You know, fulfillment of the scriptures, Jesus says it would be like the days of Noah and also like the days of Lot. But, you know, just imagine this man building this giant boat bigger than a steam liner, you know? I mean, it was ginormous and survived the flood. And then Abraham, the call of Abraham. We've gone there. Abraham's trek across the desert to, to Canaan, to a land that God said was going to be his and his descendants. And so it is. We have the nation Israel today. We've talked about the rebirth of the nation Israel, right? After they're being uh, driven from the land by the Romans. And then after the Holocaust, their triumphant return. That's never happened in history before, by the way. That a nation was pretty much just, you know, ejected from their land for such a long time and then brought back again. They're a, they are a witness. They're kind of like the ultimate witness, other than creation itself, of God's, God's existence, God's being, God's power, God's authority, God's word that this nation Israel even exists. So we've done that. You know, we've done a lot of things, right? We've <clears throat> covered a lot of different subjects. We've talked about a lot of different people. Talked about UFOs and what they are and what they aren't. Talked about the people that are affected by the false religion that we, you know, that exists. It's existed since, you know, time immemorial. And then the true religion, true Christianity, the real word of God, God's word itself. And all these things, if you, you know, if you have an imagination and you can picture it in your mind, you know, you don't necessarily have to know what somebody looked like. It doesn't matter. The point is they existed. The point is they were called or talked to by God. You know, all the prophets, right? We've even talked about the prophets and where they came from and what what their calling was and what they had to say. You know, we uh, I use scriptures from the prophets, uh, would be the quote-unquote Old Testament, as well as the New Testament. I like to consider it just all one testament. But anyway... So all these things, we've talked about kingdoms that were countries that are now, I guess you call them kingdoms too. The way of the world back in the time, the way of the world today, and how the word of God was spoken by the prophets and what they had to say, we've seen come to fruition so many times, right? Again, Israel itself, <laughs> you know, the dry bones, in the book of Ezekiel. And then ultimately we talked about the time and the fact that when our Lord God decided it's time, it's time to reconcile mankind back to ourselves 
it's time to bring him back into the family. And so his son, his only begotten son, in obedience and, and, and agreement with the father, came and lived as a man, tempted by every, every known sin, but sinning not, and paying a price for us, just a torturous death on the cross. But because of his obedience, three days later, he resurrected. Three days later, I guess you could say in layman's terms, however else to say it, he came back to life. He showed himself to his disciples, the apostles, and so many others throughout a period of days to, to prove, hey, here I am, just like I said, and now I go and I prepare a place for you, but I won't leave you abandoned. I won't leave you orphaned. I'm going to ask the Father to send you a helper. And he will continue to guide you and lead you and, and speak to you in remembrance of all the things I had to say and all the things that you're going to say and do. And that's the Holy Spirit. That's just a wonderful God. And that's some, just some of the things we've, We've covered in this show, we've covered government and conspiracies and, well, they were considered conspiracies at one time, but as the show says, hiding in plain sight. Sometimes God uses um, more than just a gentle prod or a small still voice to get our attention, to call ourselves to him, to turn and look in his direction. Right? When Moses, you know, the burning bush. Now that's something that's that's not ordinary, right? So out of the ordinary. But different things like that sometimes is what God does. But in our day today, the days that we live in now, the things that were once thought conspiracy we're finding out are are if they're real, they're not conspiracies. We're finding out, or we have found out, you have found out on this show, that's for sure, that there are those in this world, in and out of government, in many facets and walks of life, are just plain old evildoers. They don't have our our uh, uh, welfare and our uh, so forth and in their intentions. We've learned about the lies that they tell and the reasons why. And I hope, I hope that you've come to realize that it doesn't matter whether you're white or black or anything of that nature. It doesn't matter whatever religion you come from and you, you know, so-called call on the name of God. You're a liar. You're a thief. You steal and you kill and you destroy. All in the name of your God, because it's not my God. It's not our God. It's not the God of the Bible, the Judeo-Christian God, as they would say. It's their God. And their God, who's the God of this world? That's right, it's Satan, right? And his minions. The sad part of being in these days, at, at, at any time really, I guess, 
is that the evil that's being released upon this world, and we and we were a witness to that. We see it. And in plain sight, the Lord God has revealed the lies and the deceit and the wickedness of their words and their ways. Don't turn your back away. Don't look away and say, oh, I could or couldn't, you know. You better bet your bottom dollar this is it. This is how it happens. This is how it forms. This is how it develops. So, that's that. I guess I'll move on. <clears throat> you know, speaking of, you know, the times we live in, the days that are here, and what we go through, the LGBTQ and identifying as other than what you are, you know, in regards to male and female and so forth. My good friend sent me a video of a guy, oh my gosh, got like rainbow colored hair and whatever. And, you know, that, okay, fine. But the words that came out of his mouth were just wicked. Wicked, wicked, wicked. Satan at the, <laughs> at his height. And he, the words he spoke and the things he said, as compared to what the Lord God says and what we know is God's truth and God's way. And they don't have any, any shame, none whatsoever. So on that note, Saturday, a California representative told his state's party LGBTQ caucus to be ready for a Pride Month fight. Now, understand, as I've said to you in the past, these people are vicious, right out of the box. You know, kind of like when you're trying to talk to somebody from the, um, what do you call it? Uh, you know, the left side, the leftist Democrats and all their, their type and, and followers and so forth. You know, there's no talking to them. It's a fight right from the start. And that's where it's important for us as Christians and or patriots to be able to discern and respond properly. Many times, you know, you'd like to just punch them right upside the head, right? <laughs> Give them a Mike Tyson knockout or whatever. But we can't. We can't react that way. We can't react with violence whether it's in deed or by word of mouth. And and that's a skill, a skill set, I guess you could say. That's something, man, you got to be ready to be under control and have control. And really, when we know, which we do know, that that's the way they are, and this is the response that they're going to have, because we see it on TV and hear it over the media all the time, so going into that argument, we make sure you're ready to be confronted. They're calling this a battlefield, all right? And it's basically what a lot of it has to do with, you know, stores like Target and Walmarts and different, you know, the Budweiser fiasco and so forth, even the L.A. Dodgers. You know, they were going to have sisters of perpetual indulgence um, in a Pride Month award ceremony. 
then, you know, after out an outburst from the conservative and Christian people, they say, okay, we're not going to do it. Well, then the leftists got in, you know, hey, 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 what, you're not going to, you know, support us and be a part of it, inclusiveness. So they changed their mind again. It's just one thing after another, you know. Members of Congress have actually called for a boycott of the of the North Face. So, so after the outdoors retail, retailer featured a drag queen in its Summer of Pride campaign. So this is what this representative goes on to say. He says this, and I quote, we have to remember that pride started off as a protest. <laughs> it hasn't ended as a protest. And he was, he's, he's, if you don't know this guy, Garcia, again, he, he's the first openly gay mayor of Long Beach. So they celebrate that. But anyways, here's the point I want to make to break it down. He says it, it just, it, it cannot just be a celebration anymore. We are being systematically attacked. Wait a second. <laughs> Who's being attacked here? I mean, in words, you know, of course, we, we, we talk to them about the gospel, about the word of God and the sin that they're in. So they consider that being attacked. And so they're up on their, they got their haunches up as, you know, you might, you ever see a dog when it's got its haunches up, the, the fur on the back of its neck stands up and sometimes back by the tail. That means he, man, man they're like in that, you know, I'm going to get you mode. But they think they're, to them, they're saying they're the victims. Of what? I mean, personally, you know, speaking for myself, and I hope y'all can say the same, you know, we're not attacking them. Anyway, everybody wants to be inclusive and so forth and so on. You know, it's like when the Titanic was sinking. You got a group of people saying, it's unsinkable, it's not going to sink, blah, 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 blah. You got other people that are <laughs> getting in the lifeboats. You got to figure it out. You better get in that lifeboat. Hey, if it don't sink, well, then you go back, you know. But <laughs> just in case. Anyway, an overwhelming majority of the House voted on Wednesday to increase the debt limit in exchange for Republican-backed measures to rein in spending. I, I spoke a little bit about this before. <clears throat> it's amazing how they use words to describe what they're doing, and it gives you the idea, oh, this is a good thing, like they call it the Fiscal Responsibility Act, and nothing, nothing could be farther from the truth. All right? They've increased the limit for one thing, to which was at $31 trillion. We're in the 40-something trillions now. So what they did was is they said, okay, we'll cap it at that. Here's the thing. They reined in some spending. They, you know, they did their deal where they give and take and so forth and so on. But the problem here is that 
<laughs> they raise the ability or the, the amount of money that's going to be available to spend for the next two years. Okay? So if you don't need that much, why do you have that much? I can't wait to see what kind of nonsense Biden thinks is worth spending money on. I'll be honest with you. A lot of our money's going over there to Europe in this war that's going on. And that's a big mistake. But anyways, they're putting us farther in debt, folks. So you might have to rethink that vacation or new car or whatever whatever it is you were thinking of spending your money on. I think as my grandson would say, not going to happen, Captain. So we have the Democratic Party. We've talked about them before, moving along. They're pretty much the party of freeloaders. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, when you think about it. And they used to be known as the party for working people. But now they want taxpayers. That's you and me. Okay, so think about this. Another instance of your taxpayers going to somebody else. Okay, the money you work so hard for, <laughs> you don't get to keep it. Oh, no. Did you think you were going to get to keep that money? Oh, please, please wake up and smell the coffee, my friend. So they want, they want us to support people, stand by, you might want to sit down for this one, who refuse to get off the couch and get a job. Oh my gosh. You know, we used to call those people, well, yeah, freeloaders for one, lazy, no good for nothings, you know, <laughs> several, you could keep going, right? But you see, here's the thing. One of the reasons they were locked in a stalemate over this budget was because, well, there were opposing views to giving these people money. All right? The biggest sticking point was whether people should be allowed to collect government assistance indefinitely, knowing that they have a non-working lifestyle. You know, they're just not... I mean, it's not even the word motivated or what. They just don't conceive or have an idea of the fact that you got to go out and earn a living. Some people, it's due to drugs and that sort of thing. My daughter, as I spoke in the earlier part of the show, was right in that boat. But others... You know, we've talked about entitled individuals, and especially the younger generation. But how do you, you know, I mean, how do you feel about, you know, you work hard for a living and you pay your taxes like you're, you know, <laughs> like they tell you to. This has got to be like a ginormous slap in the face, right? I mean, let's face it. Who hasn't been in Walmarts and there's a lady standing there with several children, some of them of different shades of color, which tells you what, different daddies. And they got a cart full of groceries, full of groceries. And they pull out their EBT card, right? And then, to add insult to injury, holiday time, here they come again with the kitties, right? and the cart full of groceries, but now right behind her, 
one of those kitties is pushing a cart, maybe two, because, you know, flat screen TVs pretty much take up a cart, right? But either way, they got like, you know, a couple few thousand dollars worth of technology. And out comes a wad of bills, you know, cash. Just once, please, turn to me, a working man, and say thank you. Just one time, please, just give me that, okay? Because here I stand. This is a true story. I'm not. This is not like an analogy. I saw this happen for more than once, more than once, believe me, all right? Just pulled out a wad of bills to pay for this. And then goes outside and gets in the Escalade or the Ford Explorer, which is a more pricey one, too. Oh, my gosh. And here I sat, stood with my cart, with, you know, what I hope I can afford because, you know, well, God knows I got other bills to pay, you know. It's just so, you know, they're going to give these people that don't do a lick spit for their own, you know, benefit or good, you know, productivity, they're just going to give it to them. This goes in line with the fact that they're, they're working on, and if you think I'm kidding, trust me, brother, man, you better stand by. Because as I've talked about it before, they want to take away your right to have your pension, what you worked for, because they want to give part of that away too. All right. Now, it's interesting that in 96, the Democratic president, Bill Clinton, he signed a reform that would require welfare recipients to work or participate in work readiness. And guess who voted for it? That's right. Uncle Joe Biden. Do you know that when that came into being, that reform slashed poverty? among single-parent households, get this, by a staggering 62% by 2016. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a gradual thing. Childhood poverty was slashed more than 75%. This is just another case that proves that the best anti-poverty program for children and their parents isn't a handout. It's a working parent. I got to say, you know, for myself, of course, but I was raised different, I guess. You know, I remember there was a few times where I had the type of job where when I got on the job in the morning, you know, there was one situation, you know, and when it, by the time I left the job at night, there was something I could turn and look and with my eyes, see what I had done. Not all jobs are like that, but... You know, and I'll tell you, that gave me a great feeling. I did that, or I participated in that. You know, one time it was blacktop and road, so you go in, it's a dirt road, you leave, and it's a paved road, you know, and everything that goes along with it. And then other times it was, you know, I was in the construction business, I sh sheetrock. You walk into a, a unit, and it's all two-by-fours and so forth, and you walk out, and there's walls. That's a good feeling. In Second Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul, 
2 Thessalonians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul said this about this very thing. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, listen now, if any would not work, neither shall he eat, or neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but as busybodies. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. You know, it's interesting to know, Paul says in other scriptures, he was a tanner, so, you know, he worked tanner, you know. And he did that, amongst other things, to earn his keep. He didn't just show up to people's houses, I'm the Apostle Paul. And, you know, he lived free and clear. No, he worked for his, his you know, for his, his room and board, wherever he was. They didn't freeload. But it was not, it, you know, it, it doesn't mean that this only applies to people that are out preaching the word of God. This is for everybody, especially for a Christian, you know, group or church or whatever. No freeloading. Here's some bad news, so, you know, depending on how you look at things. The death of privacy and what comes next. In practically every country, the allowable limit for cash withdrawals and transactions continues to be lowered. See, this is going to make it interesting for those who pull out those wads of cash. Because currency debasement is lowering the real value okay, of the dollar and, and money in general overall throughout the world. And governments are pushing to actually phase out cash. You won't have, you know, <laughs> you're not going to be able to hang out in the street corner like, we, you know, back in the day, shooting dice and throwing money down on the pavement, you know, gambling like that or any sort of gambling like that would, you know, where you need cash, right? So let me draw your attention to a couple of, things. Three truths I'll give you. Number one, hang on, I got to sip some coffee here. Ask yourself this, what is really behind this coordinated effort? Because it is coordinated. I've talked about it before, digital currency. So listen, number one, the money isn't really yours to begin with. All right. If the bank goes bust, you're just another unsecured creditor. I don't care what they say about your guarantee through the FDIC. They had the same thing when the Depression hit. And talk to those people if there's any still around and ask them what it was like going into the bank or trying to because the doors were locked. Number two, the money isn't actually there. This money's been lent out to borrowers who are... <laughs> Listen, they don't have the money, number one, and they don't have intention to ever pay that money back. That's a guaranteed loss to the bank. And then last but not least, the money isn't really money at all after all. It's a credit created out of thin air. That's the thing about, you know, this debt ceiling limit and everything like that. Where, do, where, where in the Sam Hill is that money coming from? And is it worth anything? See, the more money you print, 
the less value the dollar has. So the point of cash, in a sense, you could call freedom, right? I want to go down on the corner and shoot dice with the boys, you know, or whatever. Go to Vegas, go here, go there, do this, do that, with cash. But when they limit the utility of cash, physical dollars, they don't leave an electronic trail. So in essence, they're limiting your personal freedom to act and compromising your privacy. Governments, believe me when I tell you, are naturally opposed to personal freedom. If you've been listening to my show, I don't think you can have any doubt about that fact. And also to, you know, they're opposed to personal privacy because, listen now, pay attention. Those things limit their control. And governments, again, (laughs) they're all about control. That's why they're there. I mean, there's a good government and there's a bad government. We don't have good government no more, anymore. Just a few thoughts, kind of like a sidebar thing. You know, as a born-again Christian, the moment you got saved, the very moment you got saved, you actually entered into a spiritual war against uh, (laughs) quite the number of demonic hosts. And their sole purpose, as I said in that prayer earlier, to destroy and kill. And it's all about you. It's against you. They want to be able to extinguish your effectiveness for Jesus Christ. So they use anybody or anything they can get their hands on or whatever to influence to do that, to stop you from being a productive Christian an active Christian. The word Christian is a verb. It's an action word. So this is what we have. We have the satanic war on Christians. I've talked about it many times on my shows. And this is the, you know, they talk about, oh, it was the longest lasting war. This is the longest lasting war. Since Adam and Eve, this war has been going on. Problem is many churches And Christians included refuse to talk about it. They don't want to talk about Satan and what he does and how he does it and the reality of him. So you don't really have a clear understanding of who and what Satan is. How do you know how to fight him? How do you know how to get up on him? That's a huge problem. That's a major, major problem. And the other thing about it, you know, by refusing to talk about it, also you can add to that the equipment or the equipping, sorry, the equipping of the believer who are in the midst of this battle. They're in the middle of it. It's going on all around them, and they don't understand why. And that's if they even see it. As I said before, you know, If you're not walking close with God, if you're not in your Bible every day and praying every day, you know, the thing with praying is you don't have to be in church to pray. You don't have to be at a moment of peace and solitude in your daily, you know, walk, whatever you're doing. I talk to the Lord all the time. 
all the time. I try not to do it when other people are around so that they can't, you know, they don't think I'm, you know, guy's over there talking to himself. <laughs> but the Lord knows your thoughts too. So there you go. There's that. So, you know, I'm just trying to get you, get you, get you warned, get you prepared, get you ready, trying to show you this is what's going on and you can't deny it. This is how it's happening. This is why it's happening. This is where it's going to go. And all of that isn't because I'm some kind of smart prophet or some nonsense like that. All of that that I tell you and the information I give you and the facts and figures, notice I use the word facts. It's not conjecture or conspiracy, not anymore, never was. It's because the Lord showed it. This this has got all this is it's all to do about God. And it's all to do about your relationship with him and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit because of it. You know, the Holy Spirit can be in people that are just static. They don't work for it. They don't do anything for it. You know, the Holy Spirit is still there, but you're not utilizing the the worth of it. You're not you're not taking advantage of it. It's the same thing like what Paul said in the scripture we just read. You got to work for it. Right? You got to make it work. You got to make it happen. You know, you got to fill a hole in, right? Like when I used to blacktop roads, the road is not going to get you know, paid by itself. You got to work to make it happen. And then, you know, in my case, like I said, not everybody would get satisfied with this, but it was a neat thing to turn around and go, wow, think about it. You know, 10, 12 hours ago, that was a dirt road. Now, you know, it's a paved road. I actually, at one time, I used to work um, in the same company. I worked with the grading crew. We used to go in when it was, you know, barely a dirt road. And we went in there with the graders and the rollers and things like that. And the, and the, I think they're called azimuths. No, maybe not. Anyway, oh, I can't think of the name of the thing. <laughs> but anyways, you measure the elevation and stuff like that. I learned about how you do that. How do you know the elevation of a, of a you know, it's actually off the, uh, believe it or not, the uh, fire hydrants. The fire hydrants are what they gauge the elevation from. That was amazing. I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. That's why a lot of times you see the guys with the, you know, the device on the fire hydrant. He says, the fire hydrant gets you your, you know, elevation from sea level. I was, I was amazed. I was like, holy cow. But anyway, back to what I'm trying to tell you. You know, you got to work for it. You got to make it happen, Captain. <laughs> okay? Because... The devil's out there, people, whatever you want to call him, Satan, Lucifer, Beelzebub, you know, whatever. He's out there. And all his, you know, cohorts. And they want to destroy you. They want to keep you down. They don't want you to even think about it. <laughs> like they say, don't you even think about it. Because when you think about it, you start to actually think, maybe I should do something. But then as quick as you thought it, man, he's in there with something that tells you, ah, don't worry about it, you know. 
your preacher take care of it or something like that. And they're not even on it. You know, they have, they, you know, they're about as useless as you know what on a bull, as they say. I'll say utters instead of the other word. <laughs> we as Christians in this country are witnessing the fulfillment of Scripture. We as Christians in this country are responsible for others and their welfare and their being, you know, their eternal security. How would you like it if somebody you knew for most of your life was a born-again Christian? They're going to heaven, but they never told you about it. And now here you are, an unrepentant, unre unforgiven sinner in hell forever. And you find out that that person, the whole time you knew him, all that time, knew the way to eternal life, knew the gospel, and never once spoke to you about it. You know, my dad died, uh, I was going to say 1916. <laughs> 2016, my father died. And interesting, he lived across the street from this gentleman. Uh, Chuck was his name. Great guy. Well, you know, for seven years or so, they lived across the street from each other. They spoke with each other on many occasions, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, one day, finally, or for whatever reason, it was time, I guess. Well, not I guess. It was time. Chuck asked my dad outright, Al, if you were to die today, do you know where you'd go when you die? And whatever the course of the conversation took after that, the point is my father accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior right there in a cul-de-sac of where he lived with his neighbor from across the street. His neighbor led him to Christ. Well, you know what? It was time. Because within a couple, two, three days, my father, due to circumstances with his health that it hadn't just developed, it was coming on. But my father suffered a health issue. And I don't know that he lived a month. Maybe a two, if that. But the point is, the Holy Spirit moved in Chuck's heart to speak to my father at that moment. And at that moment, my father became a repentant sinner. And when the minister came to talk to him, when my father was literally just about ready to breathe his last, and the minister asked him about his confession of, of, of faith and so forth, my father was all about it which was really kind of an interesting thing because dad never talked about it, never would let me even bring it up, you know, need for repentance or the gospel or anything. I have my reasons for believing what I believe, Michael. Don't, don't start with me. But I kept praying for him. Oh, man, did I pray for him. And I didn't know this about him becoming a Christian until after he passed away, which... Quite honestly, was the reason why when he died, I I didn't cry. I mean, I was sad and everything. I mean, very sad, right? Great sorrow. But I couldn't cry. I couldn't cry. 
at least not tears of sorrow, because there was such joy and gladness and like, you know, woohoo in my heart. Because my father never really heard the gospel until Chuck talked to him. And I say to my good friend, he's the reason I'm a Christian, you know. Can you imagine the shock? <laughs> you talk about shock and awe when my father got into the kingdom not knowing anything about it beforehand. That's, I mean to tell you. So with that in mind, I, you know, I, I didn't cry, <laughs> at least not tears of sorrow. And I remember when I told my good friend about it on the phone, he, he just, you know, it was one of those things, you just started saying, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, and you just couldn't stop. Because there's just such joy in that. So that's our job. Get up off the couch. <laughs> get off your computer or your phone, whatever it is, and get busy for the Lord. Get busy, man. Time is short. You know, when we get to heaven, we're going to have to answer for it. I pray to the Lord God, and, oh, Lord God, Father, please, <laughs> don't let me fail on that one. Let me be a, a, a devout and, and, and wholehearted witness. Let those around me see and hear and know that I am a believer. I am redeemed. I am reconciled to you through your gospel, Jesus, through your word, Father God, and that I was ready, willing, and able to share it with people whenever I had the chance. I got a new listener, actually. Before I forget, I want to say hi to her. I won't say your name. I won't say your name. But I met her at the Circle K the other day, yesterday, as a matter of fact. And we were talking. And, of course, we were, like, on the same page. <laughs> and, you know, she kind of, you know, you should have some kind of medium to, you know, share this. And I says, well, I actually have a podcast, so forth and so on. And she couldn't write her email address down quick enough for me. So welcome aboard to you. I hope you enjoy the show. My email, if you want to respond back uh, for everybody, is let's talk Mike one at gmail.com. Let's talk M-I-K-E, the number one at gmail.com. So with all this being said, everybody, I'm going to wrap it up and say to you, get off the couch, get off your tablet, get off, get off, get off, whatever it is you're on. And do something. Be active. Put that Holy Spirit to work. Ready, willing, and able. You just got to be ready, willing, and able along with it. Thank you very much for listening. God bless everybody. I love y'all. I appreciate your support and your prayers. And as always, my prayers for you at the the Lord bless you and keep you and may his face shine upon you and his mercy and grace and forgiveness be yours every day, all day. And may today be the day for those of you who are hearing the gospel and hearing the word of God for the first time. I just pray that today be the day of your rebirth, your new man moment, your new person. 
And glory be to God, our Father. Amen, everybody. Thank you so much. Goodbye.